Welcome to the Joan Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly Vittengel. The purpose of Joan is to draw light towards mental health, to bring awareness and real stories to the trauma that most everyone endures at some point in life, from depression to postpartum depression to anxiety and eating disorders, PTSD, domestic abuse, sexual abuse, addiction, the list goes on and on. Joan is meant to be a place of honesty and connection. Through the darkest days of my struggles, I'd never felt so alone, and I was convinced there was no way out. If you're feeling this way, I hope this podcast helps you to truly understand that you're not alone and that there is so much light at the end of the tunnel. The truth is, there is no right way to heal. But this podcast was created to inspire you to take your own steps towards healing and stepping into your most authentic self. Thank you for tuning into another episode of Joan. So this marks the 10th episode and will actually be the final episode for season one. I've had the most amazing time doing this and connecting with hundreds of people that have reached out. I'm still in the process of navigating where this podcast will go, but if you've loved it, please leave a review. Let me know how it's affected you. Send me a message. Let me know what you want to hear in the future, and we'll go from there. Today's guest I am so excited about. I'm speaking with my friend Ella Mills, founder of Deliciously Ella. She hardly needs an introduction. For those of you who don't know her, Ella has become pretty much the cover girl for plant-based eating, especially here in England. Her journey began when she fell very ill with a couple of mystery chronic illnesses back in university. This affected her mental health almost more than her physical health, and it led her to create her food blog where she explored with plant-based recipes. Little did she know it would turn into a worldwide phenomenon. And in this episode, Ella takes us through her trials and tribulations with her illness, with mental health, running a business, body image, social media, and now the beginning of her pregnancy. I hope you love this episode and thank you again so much for listening. Okay. Welcome back to Joan. I am here with my friend Ella and can you introduce yourself? Yes. Um, so hi everyone. Um, my name is Ella Mills and I founded Delicious Ella. <laughs> how old are you? How old am I? I am 27. Wow. Yeah. How long, how long have you guys been doing this for? Or how long have you been doing this for? So I started it, well, it kind of initially started 2011, so t- but not as does Shella. So 2011, I got sick. And okay. so that was what ended up kickstarting the whole thing. At that point, I wasn't thinking about food or anything, but right. that was my kind of initial starting point into this. And I got, so I was 20 when I initially got sick and I was 21 quite shortly after and by the end of that year, I was already on steroids and the doctor's like, you need beta wow. blockers. And I had like a whole list of medications. And my mum is also one of those mums that like, you needed to be really sick before you had medication. You know, she yeah. was always like, you go to school. <laughs> like she just is very, she has a very natural approach to those sorts of things. And so I had not been brought up taking much medicine at all. Yeah. And it was one of those things like you take it if you really need it. So I was quite kind of resistant to the whole thing. But I didn't really know what else to do. And so I kept taking it. And then after about a year, so clear it wasn't working. And I really struggled with my mental health almost more than my physical health Mm. of just being like so kind of unsure on who I was, what I was doing and like what the future would hold because Mm -hmm. I couldn't see myself being able to fulfill anything that I thought I would want to be able to do in my life. Yeah. And so... 
that's where Delicious Yellow came in, was a friend of mine started talking about food and I started to become interested in whether or not kind of food, but it's, especially as it's grown, like lifestyle as a whole could have an impact on your health and your well-being mentally and physically and that's what I started exploring and so that was then beginning of 2012 and so then I did it on my own until 2015 so the first three years which was amazing like it was an incredible experience that was really the start of the kind of community around what we do my exploration mm -hmm. into the space into the food into I guess what Delicious Yella has ended up being but for me I, I was probably at kind of my limit of how much I could have done on my own mm. when I met Matt and it was a very much like it felt kind of like stars aligning in working together because we're so when we were literally just talking about it but we're so different in our approach <laughs> and in our skill sets and as a result it feels like it works really 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 well together like everything that I want to do and I'm focused on is everything that he doesn't want to do and he doesn't want to focus on and so it's <laughs> yeah. like we can divide and conquer <laughs> that is so amazing how lucky yeah. honestly I, I mean know. it's more divine it's not luck it's like it's obviously like it was meant to be but it feels like and I never believed in that honestly like really no and I well and I also like on our first date he brought up marriage which was like pretty forward. well you guys got married really quickly yeah, right so quickly we <laughs> we moved in together after three dates which was in the space of a week god yeah we were engaged within four months had a dog decided to work together and then within 12 months we were married so it was, it was really cow. yeah it was really crazy but I was like my parents didn't have a great relationship and I'd never really believed in the concept of marriage massively mm. and I'd always said, oh, I don't know if I'd want to get married, I don't know if I'd like, mm -hmm. 100% believe in monogamy and like not not in terms of like a short periods of time but just yeah. in terms of like over a 60 year period yeah. or something and maybe that's I just hadn't seen like the right examples of it yeah. and like the idea of love at first sight I thought was like it's ridiculous as it could possibly come and people <laughs> saying oh you know when you know and I was like yeah. no you can't know when you know you know it's like just yeah. I guess I didn't have much faith in that kind of space and we mm -hmm. met and I, I remember coming home and I said to one of my girlfriends who I was working with at the time I was like honestly that's the guy I marry so I can't ever see him again she was like what <laughs> because I was like I need to be single I'd just broken oh up with a boyfriend God. and yeah, I was yeah, like yeah. this is my time yeah and so I thought well it wouldn't be a good idea to see it. but it was like couldn't I couldn't not mm -hmm. and then it was the same like every rational part of me was like this is insane you've known him yeah 10 minutes yeah but then the kind of like in inside I'm like but this is a hundred percent the right thing wow yeah it's fascinating oh God, amazing okay so from there I want to go back as you were saying you um I like to go back to childhood so as we were kind of talking yeah. about before not to psychoanalyze or anything <laughs> <laughs> um Tell me a little bit about your upbringing. Because you have a lot of siblings, right? Yes, I've got three siblings. So I'm number okay. two. So my brother's the eldest. Okay. And me, then two sisters. Okay. So he always felt a bit hard, hard done by having, I think, so many girls in the house. Yeah. And my parents mostly live separately. So I we really grew up, like, it was such a female household. Because it was my mom, three sisters, and my brother. Mm -hmm. And then my brother ended up going to boarding school quite early, I think, because he was just, like, <laughs> out of fear. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very... It was definitely quite a female orientated house mm -hmm. um and my mum as a result is like completely the core of our family and like the center of everything mm -hmm. so from there so when did you were, have you been formally diagnosed with, with 
something, like with an illness? Yeah, multiple. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so I was diagnosed in 2011. I was diagnosed with um, two different things. So the first was called postural tachycardia syndrome. And Whoa. that is a malfunctioning of your autonomic nervous system characterized wow. by an inability to control your heart rate. Wow. And then the second thing I was diagnosed with, which is something I've like learned more about at the over the last few years was something called mast cell activation disorder which is effectively like you have allergic reactions to things you're not allergic to wow which is very strange as well so that was so the first you were diagnosed with the first one the when? first one initially so the first one in the beginning of september 2011 and how old were you then 21 okay and then the second one i'm not sure how shortly after would have been within like a few months or three mm-hmm. or four months probably of, of that first diagnosis and it happened actually because it was there were lots of strange things that like my whole body wasn't working basically so I couldn't control my heart and it stood out my heart would be like 190 wow. you as a result and your blood pressure drops and so you're so I was lucky because a lot of people have it that they literally like can't move without fainting and I didn't wow. black out so much but like I was, you're so dizzy to the point that you're like, I don't know if I can walk across the room without stopping. Wow. And you're like, it literally, I always have said to people, it's like, it look, feels like your head isn't attached to your body. Yeah. Like you, which is a very kind of disconcerting yeah. way of thinking. So you're, and you have, re- and had really bad chronic fatigue with that. And, but then there were all sorts of other things. So I'd get really bad headaches, like crazy joint pain, like just a lot of weird things happening in my body and my stomach. It looked like I was like six to seven months pregnant almost wow. all of the time. Like my stomach literally wasn't working. I was in a lot of pain. That was initially what they thought the problem was because my swelling was so pronounced. I literally couldn't put on any of my clothes. Wow. And so that was fascinating. But then I had all these bladder infections. I had a continuous bladder infection for two and a half years. And I was put on, I did every antibiotic that exists Mm. during that time and nothing worked. And that's what then led to the secondary diagnosis um, of the mast cell activation disorder. And the idea was that it was, it was being caused, but basically your mast cells reacting to things that, which are your kind of allergy cells reacting to things you weren't allergic to. And that was creating a buildup of histamine in the body that was creating infections. And for me, they were kind of mostly manifesting in the bladder. So I would take antibiotics. You take such, I did antibiotic drips, oh everything. But then as soon as you stop it, it comes back because you haven't actually addressed the root cause. And I think that's where changing my lifestyle mm. started to come into it. So what were you doing at that time when you got sick? So I was a student. Okay. Yeah. So which was, to be honest, really lucky. Yeah. Because I feel like it's... It, it didn't derail you too No, much. exactly. Not in the same way. And my boyfriend at the time was incredible and he was very um, insistent that like, even if you weren't continuing to the same extent as you were before, he was like, you're not stopping 100% because if you do, you'll never ever start again. Yeah. Was that the same guy that you were dating? In LA, LA? yeah, exactly. And he (laughs) was so amazing throughout, like, so amazing, so supportive. But he was completely right, I think, on that. Like, it was much better to get bad grades and keep going than it was to say I quit. Because at that point, like, when do you go back? Yeah, so you're glad that you So glad. That was, like, one of the best decisions ever. And I would not have made that on my own. So how long were your symptoms... Like, how long were you... Was the first diagnosis going on before it turned into the second one? Like, how long were your symptoms going for? 
not long it, the whole thing started really quickly yeah. and then it was within like four months that I got the first diagnosis and then I think as like some of the systems s- symptoms kind of really were persisting and I was starting to see the doctor more then I got the secondary diagnosis and it all kind of it felt like it was a, like 12 months really of just like doctors medicines trying this trying that trying this trying that and then I, I like remember so clearly like I was sitting on my bedroom floor and I tried the last drug that they had used in patients and thought could work. And one thing I was so self-conscious about was, like, my stomach problems. Mm. Because I just, you know, you feel... Like, I felt so self-conscious of the way that I looked in, in that as well. Mm-hmm. And it was so uncomfortable. And I remember that was maybe to see if that would help some of those issues. And it didn't work. And I just remember so clearly, like, sitting on my bedroom floor, just crying and crying and crying to my doctor... And being like, there must be something else. There must be more things you can do. And him being like, I'm so sorry. Like, we don't currently have any other medicines. Wow. And that was, I think, a kind of a bit of a turning point for me because it was a realisation that, like, well, that's the end of the road mm. with that. But, like, if I let this be the end of the road in total, then, like, I don't know where you go from here. Yeah. So before we get into like healing and your self healing, I want to talk about where you were mentally yeah. at this time. So what was going on for you? You know, you talked about like body image probably was pretty because you were not fitting in your clothes. Yeah. And- Honestly, I think my mental health was significantly worse than I would have admitted at the time. I think you know, we were saying earlier, it's almost like when you admit something, it becomes real. And I was yeah. so kind of, I was really resistant to owning a label of like, you are depressed or you are this mm-hmm. or you are that. Because I thought, okay, well, if I am that, then how will I ever stop being that? Yeah. I don't want to be that. Yeah. So I think that was a big wrestle for me. And I really remember my dad saying, you are very depressed. Like, you need help in that department as well. And I was like, no, I don't. And I remember he said, you're going to therapy, like, you you really need to. And I went and I, maybe it was the therapist, maybe it was me, but I remember so clearly sitting in this session and she was like, right, what's going on? And I was like, okay, well, like, I'm 21. At the moment, like, I can't take public transport because I'm so sick. I can't see friends because I sleep 16 hours a day. I can't eat most things. I can't drink. I can't go out. I can't comfortably say I can, like, walk to the end of the street to get food to eat because I might pass out on the way there. I feel like I don't relate to anyone around me, like blah, 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 blah. And I was like, so I think that's impacting on my mental well-being. And she was like, I remember her being like, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) so now what? So I think I was really resistant to her help. And ultimately, I really believe with anything like that has to start with you. Like, it's not really much point, someone putting you in that room. Like, ultimately, it's you... You can have all these people facilitating stuff, yeah. but you yeah. have to be the one to, yeah. want to make a change. Yeah. And I I think I was quite still in victim mode of like, this is so unfair. Yeah. Why do I have this? They don't have this. Yeah. This is not fair. And But also kind of, as I was saying, like resisting that kind of diagnosis or like resisting the label of it that I didn't want to kind of completely admit it. Yeah. And so, um, so I didn't go back after session one. <laughs> I think it would have been really good for me, but I think I needed to be in a better space and I think I probably needed someone yeah. who maybe had worked more with people with chronic illnesses or yeah, I yeah, don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely different therapists like Exactly. I, I say to friends all the time, I'm like, if you're gonna go to therapy, like 
Get don't the, just go to the first one and think exactly. that that's the only one, especially if you don't resonate with them. Like, it totally. Takes I think a she minute. was like a young person's person. So whether or not that, I don't think she was not used to seeing people come in to talk about that. Right. And um, but I I just can't. I know I, you know really honestly like that first year I just refused to help myself, and mm-hmm. I think you know so there'd be stuff like for example like I would feel so isolated and like all my friends would go out to this party or this event or whatever it was and I'd see them get so dressed up and look so glam and then come back and talk about all the funny things that happened and all the rest of it and you've just sat there and watched like the nine millionth episode of Friends on your own and I just remember like I'd eat so much pick and mix and Harry Burn stuff and I'd feel that it would make my heart palpitations worse because I had really bad Mm. heart palpitations but part of me was like why are you doing this but then another part was like because you're so lonely and like fizzy cherries are delicious so at least yeah. you're like getting you know you're getting a moment of joy but I wasn't ever looking at it in the long term I think yeah. so scared of the long term yeah and it was I don't know I think I've really come to realize like you have to be honest with yourself mm-hmm. and I think I was struggling so much to be honest with myself yeah. about the reality of where I was that I wasn't able to help myself because I wasn't able to look at the situation for yeah. what it is yeah yeah the exact that what we were saying before yeah. the exact same thing happened to me it's like yeah it's really hard to be you can look back and be like oh I just needed to be honest with myself but when you're in that moment it's so hard because it's scary exactly it's terrifying and you don't you never want to be in that place right and so to admit you're in that place is like almost admitting defeat or like that you're you know I felt really not good enough and it Mm -hmm. was like in, in admitting it it was like you're failing in some capacity yeah and so I think that was but as soon as I kind of admitted that I was where I was and something needed to change. Yeah. Everything got so much better. And even though, like, it took a long time for the physical changes to happen, it was like, I would say it was like three to four years slash forever to yeah. kind of completely manage it. Yeah. But as soon as I made that decision to try, I felt empowered yeah. and I felt like, yeah. okay, there can be something positive ahead. Right. Well, it's hard because we are brought up thinking and I've said this in other episodes but we're brought up taught really that like doctors have all the answers so in your case and they have a lot of answers but in your case like you you they were they literally said to you we don't have anything else totally. to do for you exactly they were like this is still quite new it's quite niche we don't know that's that terrifying much. totally like, what do, what goes through your head when they tell you that like what I just was like paralyzed to just begin with I was like completely paralyzed with fear that like yeah. this was it like, I was basically going to spend the rest of my life at home, mostly in bed. And, like, I would never have been able to have a job or yeah. anything. And that that was, like, for me, what kind wow. of, I think, paralyzed me with fear. Was, was, I didn't, being honest, like, I wasn't particularly ambitious. Like, I wasn't like, this is my dream. I need to achieve this right. or that in my life. But I'd always just assumed I'd, like, grow up, move out, right. <laughs> live with friends, like... <laughs> go on dates you know like you know they're very like yeah. normal things and I was like I'll never do any of those things yeah. at this rate yeah like and that was I think what really paralyzed me and I think it was in completely understanding that mm-hmm. that I thought okay I can't let that be the reality yeah so then what inspired you to start looking within and, and looking into self-healing I think it was honestly I totally transparently I honestly wouldn't and did not believe in it when I started this and I was so skeptical of it but I tried all the conventional stuff and it hadn't worked I didn't know anyone 
who had used it, you know, who'd really like kind of helped themselves through medicine, through, sorry, not through medicine. Um, but the internet was full of stories of people who had... So you were just Googling. Just Googling, yeah. And I kept reading these stories of people who'd used all kinds of different kind of lifestyle changes, meditation, yeah. diet changes, etc., and had really powerful impacts. Obviously, like, it was a massive array of different issues and different people, and so obviously there was an array of success. Mm-hmm. But it was all more success that I was having at the moment, which was no success. Mm-hmm. And so I remember thinking, okay, well... At this point, like, I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I believe you. Like, you are some complete stranger on the internet telling me your life story. Yeah. And it's quite amazing to read, but, like, could it be true? Like, yeah. I never believed in, like, you are what you eat or anything yeah. like that before. And, yeah, I was probably much more sceptical. And so, but I just was like, I have nothing to lose. I have to try. And this seems like... Especially starting, like, I started pretty simply, to be honest, in terms of literally just being like, I am going to eat more vegetables. Mm-hmm. You know, so it wasn't necessarily... I didn't start in in the kind of more... Not more kind of controversial, like, alternative or niche spaces mm-hmm. within kind of healing and alternative medicine. I really started with, like, I'm going to try and eat broccoli. Mm-hmm. And I think that helped me. I feel like I really <laughs> eased into it. I think if I'd met someone... And actually, I remember going to an acupuncturist and he was like, this is all this, this is all that. And he was super alternative and it was too much for me. And I I didn't go, I went to like two sessions and I I didn't go back. And I think I needed to kind of ease into it Mm -hmm. slowly. I think if Mm -hmm. someone had come to me with like crystals and like energy healing and Reiki on day one, I would have been like, you're you're mad. And now I love it and I'm fascinated by it and I truly believe in it. But I feel like it was baby steps to get there. Yeah. So what were your baby steps? You said you started eating vegetables. Yeah, that was step one. (laughs) Step one. Eat broccoli. Yeah, and they, I didn't even know if I realised it was, like, different steps, mm-hmm. but it was more, I guess, the scepticism was lifting, mm-hmm. and that, the open-mindedness yeah. meant that then if someone was talking about something else, I thought, okay, well, that could be interesting. So, you, because you started noticing totally, changes. Exactly. I, it was after, like, maybe three or four months of changing the way I was eating, and I did go cold turkey. I was like, right, I'm going to a completely plant-based diet. I'm not eating processed wow. foods. Like, I'm going to eat vegetables, oats chickpeas yeah. you know etc you, you cut everything yeah in like on day one i was like i'm eating all the nutrients wow. i just want to be so focused on nutrients of okay. like the, of like literally just spinach and broccoli and everything yeah and the food tasted terrible to start with but it got <laughs> better and better but after three or four months of doing that it wasn't magic or anything but it was there was a shift that was happening that hadn't happened in the 12 months previously mm. you know like my energy was just a little bit better. My brain fog was just a little bit better. My pain was a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And it was just clear that everything was just... Even if it was like 3% better. And yeah. I don't even know if it was much more than that. Yeah. But I was. it was very, very clear that yeah. there was something was changing. Yeah. And nothing had changed up until that point. But I think also like there was something... I really believe in the power of the mind. Mm-hmm. And I think in making the decision that this could work for me I'm going to make it I'm going to try my absolute hardest to see if it can Mm -hmm. I think that I then wanted it to Mm -hmm. and so I continued to want to find things that helped Mm -hmm. so I just stopped doing things that I knew didn't help like Mm -hmm. I knew spiking my blood sugar made it worse because it made my heart Mm -hmm. palpitations worse Mm -hmm. so I stopped doing that Mm -hmm. and like that definitely definitely helped and I think my mind 
got better slowly but it definitely did and I think then I wanted to try and get outside I wanted to try and do things and that was very powerful Mm -hmm. so you know I'm calling them steps they weren't really steps to you but like I'm just curious like what the progression was and how you just like kept moving forward you know yeah so that was so then actually starting Delicious Yellow was honestly like that was a really good step and I think what I learned so much from that is like I think as human beings, you've got to feel like you're growing mm-hmm. in some capacity. Mm-hmm. Now, everyone mm-hmm. loves like a duvet day where you just like watch Netflix. That's, I love that's that. That's amazing. I've never heard duvet day. Duvet that's day. a great name. But like with those exceptions yeah. aside or like a really lazy holiday or something. Yeah. But that bit aside, I feel like generally as human beings, like you've got to be feeling like you're growing in yeah. some capacity, like you're learning, like in some way you're developing. Yeah. And I think one of the things that had such a negative impact on my mental health was that for 18 months while I was in hospital and while I was sick, I felt like I was at such a standstill. You know, I wasn't having any life experiences because I wasn't doing anything. I wasn't meeting people. I wasn't socializing. I wasn't kind of learning in any shape or form. And every day was like just sitting in bed Mm. watching Kardashians and Grey's Anatomy and friends and refreshing Facebook and just seeing what everyone else was doing. Would you say that that was, I was going to ask you if you felt like there was like a darkest day or a darkest time. Would you say that that was then? I think, I remember really clearly one night, there was some like big event happening at uni and like all my friends were there and I remember looking on Facebook and seeing people's pictures and like seeing all my friends there all together having such a good time and I just remember feeling like I don't have any friends no one cares. Mm. I'm on my own. Would anyone even notice if I wasn't even here anymore? Do you know, I remember mm-hmm. feeling like so invisible, but also so different to everybody mm-hmm. else. And then like hearing them all come back in quite drunk, obviously like having had a great time and like laughing and joking with each other and being like, I am just so on my own. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, that was probably like the most challenging time. And but yeah, it just felt like I was such a standstill every mm-hmm. single day. And I think what helped with starting Delicious Yellow was I was like, right, I've got a goal. I'm going to mm. learn to photograph food and I'm going to learn to use a blog and I'm going to learn that kind of online mm-hmm. communication and I'm going to learn to cook and I'm going to learn all about the nutrition around this. Mm-hmm. And in doing that, it's like, right, I have a reason to do something today like mm-hmm. I can feel like I've learned something today like I've achieved something today mm-hmm. yeah in the grand scheme of what most people achieve every day like one blog post isn't that huge but from nothing it felt huge yeah and that was a really positive next step yeah. and again I feel like I had a goal I had something to kind of keep me accountable to some extent mm-hmm. because I'd committed to doing this so I needed to keep cooking I mm-hmm. needed to keep trying new things so I think that was really really key as well mm-hmm so how did you get like what happened with the blog like how did that even happen <laughs> who knows honestly like that I have no idea I think it was right time right place like yeah. I really the reason I started it was because I was like there must be a way to eat all these foods that, mm-hmm. in a, like an accessible way I felt like you either had the kind of quite like almost like LA's version of it where everything's kind of like raw and it's dehydrated mm. and it's like superfoods and it's quite especially for someone who'd never eaten those sorts of things before and who'd never really cooked this in this way before Mm -hmm. it was like it was felt just a lot and Mm -hmm. quite extreme and then you had the kind of like 
normal vegetarian that was like phyllo pastry and cheese which wasn't interesting right or you had the like healthy no or healthy (laughs) or you and then you had the kind of like more activist vegan movement that was about animal rights and the ethical side of it and it was more like a kind of protest movement and that wasn't a it wasn't focused on like human health which is at that point maybe selfishly what Mm -hmm. i was interested in but also it wasn't really about the food as mm-hmm. such. And it was quite a lot of, like, fake meats. And I was trying to focus on, like, a lot of, like, really nutritious, healthy. Yeah. And so I just couldn't find it. And I don't think... I think other people couldn't find it too. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's been interesting. And it's going to be a constant kind of progression. But I do feel like people were getting to the point where they're like, right, we're getting pretty sick now. Mm. Like, a lot of us, like, not necessarily on an extreme level, but, like, have constant headaches and, like, energy lows and, like stomach problems and just like feeling a bit rubbish Mm -hmm. and I think there's a sense of like okay well what we're currently doing isn't working Mm -hmm. these like extreme Atkins diets and stuff like that they're not working Mm -hmm. so what can we do that's like a little bit more sustainable and I think I don't think I was the only person looking for that do you um did you feel like at the time I mean, you said you don't even know how it got so big, but did you, do you feel like you had any idea that it would get as big as it's gotten? <laughs> Honestly, like truly not in a million years. I mean, cause now, so you still have, is it still a blog or is it? The blog kind of, do you know, I think it, I don't know whether it was just our experience, but I found even like two, three years ago as like Instagram, especially really picked off, it picked up, it felt like the blog kind of lost its mm, role yeah, within everything. Yeah, yeah. Because to start yeah. with, I think people were looking Facebook started, obviously, but then I think people were reading blogs. Yeah. Whereas I think when it comes to a recipe, people are like, well, I don't want to go from this app to this page. Just give me it here. Yeah. And so it became quite redundant, really. I feel like it it transferred to social media. Yeah. And so that became really a kind of much bigger role for us. And the website is now mostly recipes and... Yeah. To be completely honest, the website's probably the most, like, it's really actually quite sad in a way. It's like, because it's the the original Mm -hmm. piece, but it's the most underloved, underutilized, least updated thing that we do. Okay. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, I feel like social media is a much bigger part of that the initial day-to-day communication yeah. that was originally through the delicious yeah. yellow blog has definitely moved and to you social guys, media. And you guys have, is it three delis? So we had three. So when we when Matt and I first started working together, that was our original plan. We were like, we want to open up lots of spaces. and Because the community had been such a key part of it yeah. and like bringing people together yeah. and like bringing like-minded people together. Yeah. But so the original aim was like, we were like, we're going to open loads. Yeah. We opened one and we are like, this is hard work (laughs) and also just a lot I don't know it wasn't it was amazing but it was it was intense but that was fine but then we were looking at other kind of opportunities and it was like right there's such a clear space within supermarkets to try and bring Mm. healthy food that doesn't have additives that doesn't have preservatives etc to like everywhere Mm -hmm. and so we started doing that and then we were doing that and three delis and like catering and everything alongside that and then also like the original to shallow parts so the app the cookbooks all our social media events and it was just too much like it was so intense it was just i felt like we were both in like 72 different places at any one time and that we were so not committed enough to any one project that it felt like everything wasn't quite what we wanted it to be Mm -hmm. and it was almost like frustrating but how do you succeed when you it was just too many different touch points. Mm-hmm. And so we decided that 
like we should keep focusing all the original delicious yellow mm-hmm. recipes community mm-hmm. whether that's like through social media or books or whatever it is mm-hmm. and then th- in the products where we can actually start bringing what we do to like we're in six and a half thousand stores so we can like literally wow. bring it to so many people all over the country whereas with the delis like if we'd scaled it to even 30 restaurants it, mm. wouldn't, it wouldn't have been very good how many amazing chains do you know right you can have five, right? Six, yeah, 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 yeah. Over yeah. ten, just yeah. like you, you lose a sense of character, yeah. and I think that was so clear to us. Mm-hmm. So you have now how many books do you have? So we've done five books. Wow. Yeah, which is, which is amazing. Nuts! So was, I've just started literally this week work on this next one. Oh my god! Exciting. Yeah, but luckily it's like a long t- project, twenty twenty. So. So. With the healing, so where are you at now? I mean, so are, are you, good. you still have, like, your diagnoses? Are you, you know? Yeah, and it's definitely, I think it's taken me a long time to accept that that's who I am and that that's what I live with and that that's okay. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think sharing it that through to the show has actually been so powerful for me in because people are lovely and, you know, kind of share their own stories and realising, like, Everybody lives with their own thing. Mm -hmm. You know, for some people it's more mental health, for other people it's more physical health, Mm -hmm. or it's just a really deep challenge that they've had in their life in some capacity. It's very different for everybody. It will appear at different points in their life. But everybody lives with some element of kind of constraint and something they need to manage. And for me, that's my physical health. And as a result, I have to live within, like, slight confines, you know, which is fine like there's nothing I feel like if I live within like reasonable boundaries Mm -hmm. then my symptoms are I don't even really notice them Mm -hmm. but like I need to eat well I need to look after myself and really drink but all these things have come I guess as my lifestyle's changed and I've Mm -hmm. embraced like yoga and meditation like I would way rather get up early and go to a yoga class and like cook an amazing meal than be hungover yeah and maybe that's just my habit now but I love my lifestyle and it's so rare that I feel a sense of kind of missing out on something else Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what are other modalities that you brought into your life so you just said healing and sorry yoga and um meditation yeah so yeah I think yoga for me was like it's been one of the best discoveries ever Mm -hmm. in my life I well, you're teaching now. Yeah, and teach. I love that's how much I love it. So and fun. I love it. I absolutely love it. I think. I don't know. I feel like when you grow up, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I definitely felt like at school exercise became. I'm not a very sporty person, yeah. and exercise became quite a negative thing. Yeah. It was like you know we were made to like run across country race and we're mm-hmm. like coming last. Mm-hmm. You know, really wasn't very good at it, mm-hmm. and like playing hockey in the freezing cold in the rain and like I just mm-hmm. hated. It. I hated sports. And I'd always seen exercise as quite a kind of punishment, yeah. you know? And, like, I, I remember someone's like, go to Barry's boot camp. And going to Barry's boot camp and literally being on the treadmill, like... And some people love it, and that's awesome. Yeah. But for me, it was, like... But I think that that's really important to actually talk about for a second because I think that a lot of people punish themselves with exercise because they feel like they have to do it. Totally. And this will tie into something else I want to bring up, which is like social media and body image and all of that and like how you handle those pressures because that's got to be intense. But I do feel like, you know, it's hard to kind of... I've recently found myself having to stop and ask myself if I actually want to do something. Like I'll be going out the door to like a Pilates class and I'm like do I actually want to do this for myself or do I do, am I going because I feel like 
I have to go in order to look a certain way. A hundred percent. I was literally writing this the other day. I was like, are we doing things like genuine, like hand on heart? Yeah. Are you doing it genuinely for your physical mental health? Or are you doing it for aesthetics? Right. Like, is it genuinely self-care, self-preservation? Right. Or is it because you want to look like a Victoria's right. Secret model? Right. Like, and I do feel like those boundaries are very, very blurred. Very blurred. Definitely for, for women. 100%. Yeah. And definitely for me, going to, like, a hit class or something like that was not for my yeah. physical mental health. Like, yeah. I, I remember going to a hit class and... I just also I later learned when I started looking into it that like my it was my autonomic nervous system that was affected by the illness and your autonomic nervous system gets quite a pounding in a hit class Mm -hmm. and so I would feel so sick so depleted like I remember going to one class and literally like sitting on the pavement outside the class and it was like a five minute walk it was when I was living at Matt's flat when we were like first together it's not even a five minute walk from his flat so close and I was like I don't think I can get home I literally don't think I can walk it's like one street yeah I don't think I can get that had to like sit down because I felt so and I don't think I even like on the scale of like pushing yourself I don't think I even pushed myself very hard yeah but it just like did not sit well with me and so after that I was like I'm never doing this again like I don't care if getting a heart rate up is good. This is not good for me. Yeah. And I hate it. And I'm. this is not good for my mental health yeah. at all. Yeah. And also, I felt like I wasn't good at it, which is also yeah. not good for your mental health. Like, continuously yeah. feeling yeah. like you're doing stuff and, like, not achieving to yeah. some extent. Like, I was always the worst in the class, no matter what happened. Yeah. Like, because I was just hated it. Like, yeah. do a burpee. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I want to do know. a burpee. It's horrible. I know. And I'd always loved yoga, but I kind of really recommitted to it. And I just, like... I can genuinely say, like, I do yoga for, like, my mental health. Mm-hmm. And I know that exercising is really good for my physical health. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But for my mental health, I find it so powerful. Because yeah. what it does is it does, for me, exactly what you said, which is that, like, you go to a class, you have space to breathe, to think, mm-hmm. to just be. Mm-hmm. And you'll sit there and you'll be like, okay, how do I actually feel today? Mm-hmm. Like, am I actually really tired? Am I actually a bit of... I have cried in so many classes. Mm. And, like, I feel it does create a space for you, which is amazing. And, like, again, I think sometimes, like, when you're living in London and there's a lot going on, you have, like, every intention to meditate and to do this and to do that. And you, like, there's so much going on, Mm. you don't necessarily find yourself doing it. Whereas what I love about yoga, sometimes when you walk into a class, you can be quite, like, stressed or whatever it is. But by the end of the class, like, you are in that calm, serene... Mm great place where you actually tap into mm-hmm. where you're at mm-hmm. and I find that absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. so there's also me- meditation yeah do you meditate every day trying okay so this is actually Matt and I have just made like we we do a lot of stuff together but like he's not a yoga person that's always been my thing and I through yoga found meditation mm-hmm. it was definitely yoga first and especially just like even like because what I find is like at the end of class you feel in the right space to do mm. it and like discovering like yoga nidra which I think mm, is like my God, the best, best thing in the whole yeah, wide world yeah, yeah. and I, so I've, through that I've really kind of come to understand how amazing it can be and how much I think I can feel how much it helps mm-hmm. um, but I'm not always that good at like continuously committing I'll like really commit for a week yeah. and then really not commit for two weeks and then really commit and mm-hmm, then really not commit mm-hmm. but he, Matt is definitely someone that like he is so easygoing, but then I think gets 
actually ends up like kind of keeping his stress quite deep down mm. and so we've been talking a lot about like different things and so we're gonna we've made a pact that we're gonna start meditating 20 minutes every morning and 20 minutes every evening and I think doing it together will actually be really helpful yeah. in terms of like keeping us more accountable to it so it's one of those things when you don't want to yeah. do it the other person's like let's yeah. do it you know what I want to... My um, meditation teacher is moving here from Australia. Really? And she teaches... Yeah, you you guys I should me, sit yeah. and learn yeah. with her. She teaches Vedic meditation, okay. which is 20 minutes twice a day. Okay. She's and, and she's amazing. You would love her. She's so practical with, with it. And Vedic meditation is, yeah. like, so ancient, but it's actually so practical for a modern life because it's, like, so quick and short and easy. Um, and I've been practicing now for, like, two... Almost three years, and it's been, like totally life-changing yeah it's amazing yeah and it's I think that's what I've kind of become more and more in tune with that there are so many tools like that out there that are so easy to tap into even if it's just using like a headspace app or something for 10 minutes or like the calm app has walking meditations like I do those a lot I'll like need to walk our dog and I'll listen to like a 40 minute walking meditation yeah and it means that like I have 40 minutes of like quiet of like tuning in and it's amazing yeah and realizing that actually there's so many easy ways to make your life so much better and feel so much better and it's mm-hmm. so frustrating like when we don't want to take them we almost like have that kind of self-sabotage in mm-hmm. us where we're like for whatever reason don't do them when they're right in front of us yeah so I want to ask you how you handle social media because this is something we all use and are looking at all day long in comparison and you talk you talk really openly about this on social media about like comparison and that you struggle and and but how do you I mean you have such a big following and do you get bullies and like and people who say weird things or do you feel like do you know I feel in the grand scheme of things that I'm super lucky okay like not really okay I mean, it depends on what a bully is, right? Like, yeah. it depends on the scale yeah. of what you're talking about. Yeah. But not really. I wouldn't say I really get trolled. Okay. But okay. I'm quite conscious of not putting myself out there to be trolled. And I, yeah. if you see what I mean. And yeah. I think for me, like, our focus is mostly food. Yeah. And, or like, things around that. Yeah. So, like, how cross can you be about a bowl of pasta? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, how yeah, angry yeah. can you be at pesto pasta? Yeah. Or like, banana porridge right so that helps i think right i think if 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 i i always think if it was like a fashion blog that would be more challenging because Mm -hmm. you're in every image Mm -hmm. and so you are much more susceptible yeah to the reality of judgment Mm -hmm. and you're like you're the clothes source so how are you wearing it do you know what i mean whereas normally if it's a picture of me it's related to like something so like we just launched this or like listen Mm -hmm. to this podcast on Mm -hmm. that do you know what Mm -hmm. i mean it's not so much about me in yeah. the same way so I've and I've de- that's definitely a very conscious decision yeah. and I'm also super aware that like the things that perform best are the most personal things that you yeah. share and like the deep insights you give people like give yeah. a house tour and I'm like no because that's when I know that we'll be mm. criticized and it's like people are like where are you staying on holiday and I was like I'm not going to say because I know I'll either be criticized because it's to this or it's to that yeah. or it's to the next thing yeah yeah and so I guess I'm like you know, yeah. far too scared to ever put up like a picture with a plastic cup in it. You yeah. know, because it's oh my God, terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I definitely, I guess I definitely live in some element of fear yeah. of what people will say. So I won't 
share yeah, things yeah. that I feel would trigger yeah. that kind of response. Yeah. But there's definitely an element of like understanding that people do come with a lot of judgment. Mm-hmm. I actually did actually Instagram tried to block me last week because I used to follow up until last week something like fourteen hundred people on Instagram. And I realised I was like had it was we hadn't like properly got away for ages and we were away last week and I was looking at it and I was like are these people making me happy? Like, mm. am I following these people because I like genuinely positive yeah, my physical yeah, mental health? Yeah. Like, I love following recipes. You know, yeah. People who share recipes. I love like getting an idea for dinner or yeah. like that looks delicious. I'm gonna make that salad yeah. or something like that. Or like people who share ideas on crystals or meditation or mm-hmm. yoga or whatever it is. I love that because it inspires me to meditate, to do yoga, to try this, to try mm-hmm. that. I love that. Or like just beautiful images of travel, like National mm-hmm. Geographic or mm-hmm. you know your page was like just beautiful spaces. Yeah. I love that. But I was like following like Victoria's Secret model yeah. and like this model and I was like, you know, I was like, why am I following these people? Like yeah. what am I really like honestly hand on heart gaining from right. following these yeah. people? Like I have no idea who they are. Yeah. I will never know who they are. Yeah. Like they want to know who I am. Like we're so disconnected from each other. And like, do they make me feel good about myself? Yeah. Like I would definitely say, like I feel very comfortable in my own skin. But like does seeing a Victoria's Secret model on the beach enhance how comfortable I feel in my skin Mm -hmm. compared to reading like a really like uplifting inspiring yoga teacher share like Mm -hmm. a lovely insight Mm -hmm. on the day Mm -hmm. definitely not and I was like Mm -hmm. now I'm not seeing all these nice people that have a positive impact because I think social media can be so positive but you it's like you're the curator yes so I unfollowed 900 people yeah it was like a oh my god so instagram kept being like kept trying to block me for short periods because it was like you're overusing this function you're not meant to do that funny i know well obviously they don't want you to unfollow people so that was quite fascinating but it's so amazing and like the last kind of week that i've been using it first of all i'm spending so much less time on it because Mm. there's so much less to consume i think i'm now following like about 200 people Mm -hmm. but you know like a lot of that's friends who don't post very often. So mm-hmm. there's not a huge amount of content to consume yeah. every single day. Every single person I can say that I'm following now, it's like a positive influence yeah. for whatever reason it is. Yeah. And, or something I like genuinely feels like a positive addition to my life. Yeah. And that has been like one of the best things I've done yeah. in ages. Yeah. And you can't spend so long on it because right. there's not so much to look at, but also everything you're looking at is making you feel better yeah, yeah. and not worse. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know why we do it again it's like I don't know why we do it to ourselves like I don't know if why following these people is a I mean for some people it's great but like yeah and well because I think like you were saying not to bash Victoria's Secret models but we're taught to like they're like aspirational you know totally. it goes back to our body image thing and like whether you actually want to go to that workout class or not and like you know let's put this person in your face so that you can well and you choose on Instagram you do choose who, you, who you're following but yeah it could get really intense exactly and I think we as we are especially as girls I think and maybe the people out there who aren't but like I was I said I would say I was like very comfortable in my own skin I feel like pretty confident but I definitely can like sit in bed and yeah. like after a day we were like just not feeling great for whatever reason yeah. and, and you naturally start comparing yourself to other people yeah. even when it's subconscious yeah. you do it we all yeah. do it it's like it's just part of human nature so it was again it was like why are you putting yourself out there with people who aren't necessarily that positive for you to compare yourself to right but then that loops back I was talking to someone the other day about like the importance of just remembering that everyone like literally everyone is experiencing going through something like you were saying before whether it's more physical or mental or whatever it is 
I was walking down the street this morning on my way back from the park. Um, and I was just looking at people because we separate ourselves so much. And I was literally looking at the faces of everyone who walked by me. And I was like, that woman who just walked by me looked beautiful, but she may have like just left an abusive relationship or something. Or like that person might've just lost their parent last week. And and that person might have thought about killing themselves last month, you know? Like, everyone is going through their own thing. I think that there's such an importance. And I think that social media does bring people together, but it's, like, really up to us to decide how we want to totally. involve ourselves in that. But also, I think, it, like, the thing I always say to people as well is I feel like it's so important to see it for what it is. Yeah. Which is, like, it's a place to, like, share ideas. It's mm-hmm. a place to share inspiration. Like, I love seeing my friends' holiday snaps. I know they mm-hmm. don't live on holiday. Like, I know right. that they also, like, have really crap days and days right. where they're, like, really unhappy and they're sitting on the tube and they're not going to Instagram that. And I don't think you necessarily should Instagram right. that. Because <laughs> right. I think, like, with enough of things like that in our lives, mm-hmm. Instagram or social in general can be a positive space, but then you have to completely reality check the fact that that's what it is and like I remember we had this last year was a really kind of challenging year and um work was just super intense Mm -hmm. and stressful and we and then Matt's mom out of nowhere Mm -hmm. had these big seizures and was diagnosed with terminal brain cancer and my parents were going through a really difficult divorce and I hadn't spoken to my dad in a long time and I'm I just remember having this kind of moment of like feeling almost like really inauthentic that I was like sharing a porridge picture mm. this was like the week after mm. that's when I had a diagnosis and, and everything and but I was like but these aren't my stories to share mm. you know and they're not they're not really appropriate for social media mm-hmm. and it was a really good reality check of as you said like everyone's going through different things and we shouldn't be so quick to be like they're perfect they're this they're that they're the yeah. next thing because like they're just choosing not to share that with everyone. And it's those those sorts of things that, like, you wouldn't share with everyone anyway. Right. Like, you wouldn't necessarily walk into work and be like, oh, let me just tell you about, like, the yeah. intricacies of my parents' divorce yeah. or, like, my feelings about my parents. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, it's those, they're quite private conversations. Yeah. And they're the kind of conversations you have when the time is right when with the right person. Mm-hmm. And But I feel like because we live in the Kardashian era we expect that total transparency. So if someone Mm. isn't sharing the fact that they're unhappy, you assume that they're not unhappy Mm. and therefore that they live in this perfect bubble. And as a result, you are a failure in comparison. Mm -hmm. And I find that really interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I feel like it's a lot about, first of all, like being very, again, honest with yourself about why you're doing certain things or why you're looking at certain things but then also being completely honest with yourself about like what those sorts of platforms are and do you want to engage in that do you want to engage in it for inspiration or actually can you not engage in it with for inspiration without taking yourself into Mm -hmm. a difficult place in which case don't need it Mm -hmm. yeah how do you manage business and personal self-care and like that's I guess one part of a question but also I had a lot of people asking me a while back just about like how to manage mental health in the workplace yeah you know and like how do you as a boss you know do you do you guys have like any I don't do you, do you ever have people saying like I need to take a mental health day because that's such like a you know I don't think we've ever had anyone specifically say that yeah like I obviously 
like do kind of live a lot online and so like I'm always like super upfront and honest yeah. about it and sometimes I have moments where I'm yeah. like today I'm feeling really not good enough and feeling like a failure yeah. feeling really anxious and then you walk into the office and you're like hold on a sec I know you've all read this <laughs> and like feeling quite embarrassed almost and yeah. like you know but then I feel like no it's a good example to set that like it's okay to say it yeah um but I think for us like our key is like trying to create an open relationship within the office and within people we work with so I feel like and and this may not be entirely because I don't know but I I feel like I've we've known when people going through difficult periods over the last few years Mm -hmm. in their personal lives like I think we have an open enough dialogue with everyone that Mm -hmm. we're lucky enough to work with so as a result it's very easy to not necessarily say like you need this or you need that but I think they know that there's like complete understanding Mm -hmm. and flexibility around their needs with what Mm -hmm. they're going through and that there's no pressure on our side like Mm -hmm. on that and I don't know how easy that is when you're in a bigger company like our office is 21 people I think and so it's still relatively small so it's easy to have those like intimate relationships yeah. with people where people yeah. can say yeah. you know even like one time one of our colleagues was, was just really upset because she, she'd moved over from another country but her dog had died mm-hmm. and it was just, just really upsetting and she yeah. just said you know look I'm, I'm going to be a little bit off you know yeah. today tomorrow oh. because of that we were like you know do you want to go home like, yeah. that's fine she's like no I, I want to be here but like I wanted to let you know yeah. and it just allows I feel like a much nicer way of working together because yeah. you would never like that day put an extra pressure or a straight you're just going to be a lot more relaxed and understanding and I think that that helps a lot so just trying to encourage openness I think has been our kind of biggest biggest focus amazing within what we do yeah um but obviously that's not comfortable for everyone right and not every workplace has that totally and like we I'm an oversharer by nature yeah so I feel like (laughs) it that makes it a bit easier yeah. whereas that lots of people aren't necessarily quite such oversharers right that may not right. be the worst thing. <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of self-care and work and kind of balance I think that's something that I've like spent a lot of time working on yeah especially in the last like 18 months or so since last May when the May sorry May 2017 I keep thinking it's still 2018 when everything kind of got difficult kind of in Mm. our personal life I think that was when it became so clear to me the importance of looking after yourself and not in a selfish capacity but I was like if I am so burnt out and so run down that I feel such a mess how am I going to support the people around me who actually need my support a lot more than I need it in that sense and so I started being a lot stricter about like going to yoga every day and like I go at seven o'clock in the morning when, like, realistically, what else could you possibly need me for at that time? Yeah. Like, and I, I realized when we were saying it before, like, I have a much more productive day if my day, like, starts in that kind of way rather mm-hmm. than getting to the office at seven. Mm-hmm. If I can, mm-hmm. like, do something that creates, like, a much more positive mindset, creates a bit of space. Mm-hmm. I have quite a creative job. And so, like, I find if I don't have any space to think, Mm -hmm. then I don't have any space for ideas. Mm -hmm. And I sometimes put too much pressure on myself to, like, do, Mm -hmm. you know, to tick the to-do list, to, like, empty your inbox. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you're just, like, doing, 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 doing. And you don't have any space for, like, new ideas, for new concepts. And I think I'm definitely learning to kind of be a bit more gentle on myself. But I think that's also helped since we've grown. Because to start with, when it was such a small number of people working 
into Shisiello and especially to begin with where it was really just me and Matt. Yeah. That was a lot more challenging because like you were doing nine people's jobs at any one moment. Mm-hmm. And so you really needed to work at like 16, 17, 18 oh. hours a day. And if we weren't doing that, like it was going to crumble. Yeah. So I think it was also being realistic. Like this is actually not the moment for self-care. Yeah. Is that yeah. the healthiest thing? Probably well, not. Okay. But like actually there's just not space for it yeah. and we just need to like get through the next nine months yeah. or whatever it is yeah. and then like as we start to expand the team and start to build it up and have a bit more structure yeah there'll be more sense for more ability for structure in every sense yeah. of it whereas to begin I, I think that's something that's been a good learning as well of like that letting go of perfection mm. of like every day I must do yoga I must meditate I must eat my five a day I must walk yeah. my 10,000 yeah. steps I must this yeah. I must that when actually like you're not going to do it because it's yeah. just too much yeah. that day. Yeah, you've got to do what you can do, right? Totally, and not not put pressure on yourself. Yeah. Like some days, some weeks, some months, yeah. some years, you're going to be all about like, yeah. you know, wellness. And then other times, there's just not going to be any space for yeah. it. And I feel like we can be quite hard on ourselves. Like yeah. we're not doing a good job then. Yeah. But actually, I feel like we're human and no one can yeah. do a good job of that sort of thing 24 hours a day, right. 365 days a year. Well, it's hard, especially with, like, again, the social media, and it's, like, everyone looking like they have these perfect lives where they, like, meditate every day, and they eat this way every day, and it can get really, again, the comparison Totally. I have a friend who recently got a dog, and she just sent me a message, and she's like, you know, I was eating well every day and, like, doing all of my things, and since I've got the dog, I just, like, she got a puppy, she's like, I can't keep up with it, like, and I've just completely fallen off now, and now I'm completely off, and now I just feel really guilty, and I'm like... You just have to be really gentle with yourself and just do what you can because life does change. And you and this leads me to where my next question, you're now you're fifteen weeks pregnant. Yeah. And it's crazy. I mean, how you know, how first of all, how's the how have you been changing? Like and how's your body been changing and like mentally where are you at? That was honestly crazy. It was a really so saying to you, like we were, we were so lucky. We we'd kind of we've always like ever since we've been together, we wanted to have a family, and we've always like we're really excited to have children. Even like on our honeymoon, we were like let's have kids now, and then we came back and we were like, whoa, what were we thinking? Yeah. <laughs> and so we've kind of ummed and ahed about it over the last three years or so, and then finally, the end of last year, we were like, okay, look, like we keep saying we're not going to do it because of we were like we're going to launch in America in the spring, and so we're not going to do it. And then it was like, and then we're going to do this, and then we're going to do that. We finally were just like, okay, well, if we live like this, then we'll never do it. And there will never be a right time. Like, I don't know if you run mm-hmm. your own business if there's ever a right time. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's ever a right time for anything <laughs> for anyone. Yeah. yeah. And so we're like, let's just stop work. Like, let, again, like, drop the per- perfect. And that's just like, it will be what it will be. And let's just see what happens. And like, it will happen when it's meant to happen. Mm-hmm. And like, we'll just put it to fate. And then we got pregnant the next week. And so like that it was first of all just like such a shock <laughs> and like I remember calling my mom and I was like ah, when you got pregnant did you feel this did you feel that and it was because it was like I felt it within like a week so before mm. I'd even missed a period and she was like wait are you pregnant and I was like I think so and she was like I had no idea you were even thinking about it and I was like neither do I <laughs> this is new this is like three weeks old yeah yeah it's a new concept and so I feel like I hadn't really thought about it Mm -hmm. and I just like assumed it would just like fit in and like be what it was going to be and it just wasn't and like I felt so sick but I felt more than that like it was the first time in a while that I had to really focus on my mental health because Mm. something that I had been like not that focused on was suddenly like this is what I want this is what I really care about right now and then you have this kind of real fear where people keep reminding you like 
X percentage of people have a miscarriage and this mm. and that. And so you're permanently like checking this, like, checking for blood. Is this okay? Is that okay? Googling this symptom. And then you kind of feel like, okay, you know, right. There's only another seven weeks to go till our 12 week scan. And it's like, it's a long time to like mm-hmm. sit with that anxiety and that fear of the unknown. And, but also like my body started changing immediately like in the first 12 weeks my boobs have grown at least two sizes oh my god they are it's so funny. oh my like, god honestly like we were going away and on holiday and my mum came over for supper and she was like just such a silly question but like have you checked your bikinis fit and I was like oh my goodness I didn't even think about it and then she left and I went to try one on and I looked like a porn star like it was so inappropriate <laughs> and it was I had to buy all new bras and everything and there's just things like that were quite a it's really interesting process to like yeah. it's so amazing but I definitely think it's suddenly like your clothes don't fit and like your jeans don't do up and like mm-hmm. I like high-waisted trousers it's like a personal preference and so none of my trousers do up mm-hmm. and so it was quite a kind of it's happening for the most amazing reason mm-hmm. but it's definitely from like you have to take a second to be like wait a second my body is completely changing yeah. and that's amazing because it's happening for the most miraculous yeah. reason but like it took me a sec to be okay with it but also yeah. to be okay with the fact that like I just didn't feel like I felt like I wasn't doing a great job at everything I think that was the main thing like I like eating healthily I like going to yoga and suddenly like the only thing I could think about eating was like chips wow. and the idea of like going to yoga of like I felt so sick that was just like a horrible concept to think about like doing a downward dog when you felt that sick mm. and so I think it was also like com- completely readjusting your life but then you're readjusting your life and you don't even know if it's going to work out yeah and I think that was the kind of strange yeah you feel like in a bit of a limbo yeah have you been allowing yourself like do you do you eat the chips and eat yeah. all the things oh my gosh yeah. I was like 100 percent yeah I, I think chips. again you've got to like just let I think it's what we were saying like you have different periods of your life where yeah. different things are appropriate and you know I've had periods of my life where I'm like really trying to get my health under control and I'm really trying to get well mm-hmm. and that like I've been definitely a lot stricter and I'm like I am eating healthily that's mm-hmm. like if I don't do that I won't be able to get out of bed so like I need to do that mm-hmm. whereas like I didn't feel like that's what I needed to do during mm-hmm. this time and I was like all my body wants is bread and chips mm-hmm. so like let's mm-hmm. give it bread and chips <laughs> and um I think that's really important. I think, again, it's letting go of that sense of, like, every day being the same. Yeah. And checking in. Totally. What do I want? Yeah, I really just want chips right now. Exactly. And, like, I remember going to yoga class, and she was like, how do you feel? And not not, not to me, but, like, to the class. And I was like, God, this feels really good, and it feels really good to be, like, moving a bit. But I was like, I am so tired. And almost just, like, giving yourself a bit of space and permission mm. to be, like, okay, you know what? I'm, like, not kind of performing to my normal capacity. And right. that's completely okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so something... So you kind of rolling back, you know, on, like, the daily. I noticed through Instagram you love to take baths. Yeah. And you, like, do your yoga. And, like, what's, like, your daily kind of routine? So I try and start the day, like my my aim every day is to wake up. It will now be to meditate, but it was before <laughs> to wake up and go straight to yoga. Like I don't, I try not to turn my phone on until afterwards. Mm-hmm. And so that I have an hour of calm, of peace, of like breathing, of checking in mm. before anything else happens. 
and then I go to work. It's not very exciting. Um, and then, but then again, in the evening, I try and like for me, I find baths and reading the best way of doing that because mm. I think it's quite practical. Mm-hmm. Like when you're reading a book, you have to hold the book, so you can't hold your phone. Mm-hmm. I love fiction, and I feel like it takes you to a completely different space. Again, you can't focus on what else is going on because you're like your mind is distracted by yeah. this great story. And that helps me switch off so much. Same with a bath. I feel like I can get in the bath and like just breathe. And it's not like official meditation, but just like focusing on your breath, doing like four, six breathing or something like mm-hmm. that. And just sitting for like 15 minutes in, in a bit of stillness. Like that I find so powerful. Mm-hmm. And that's, so I try and like every day, no matter what's going on, have like some semblance of bookmark, bookmark, bookend, yeah, bookending the day mm-hmm. with like something calming and peaceful Grounding. to begin with and the same at the end yeah. exactly and I feel like again at the moment there's a lot going on with work it would be unrealistic mm-hmm. to expect like more than that mm-hmm. but that feels like an amazing thing mm-hmm. have there been any through like this whole process have there been any I say books but it, was there has there been anything that's like really been profound for you were there any books that you read or any like I don't know, practitioners that you saw or doctors or anything like that that you feel like really kind of shaped the way that you live your life now? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I think it's a lot of different lot of different people. I mean, the first book I ever read when I was looking at this space, right at the beginning of this whole journey, was a book called Crazy Sexy Diet, which was by a lady in the US called Chris Carr, and she'd been diagnosed with cancer, and she changed her whole diet. And her book was the first book that kind of sparked something in me. Mm, of okay. like, it was very relatable. I can't. She was like thirty or so when she read it. She was from New York. She was not into this beforehand, mm-hmm. and she had this whole three sixty change mm-hmm. of her whole lifestyle. So that was like a massive inspiration to start with, because it was quite a sense of like, if she can do it, I can do yeah. it. Because again, as we were saying, like it's quite hard, I think, to come at this kind of space when when you're new to it and like be straight into crystals for example mm-hmm. do you know what I mean mm-hmm. so I think that was a great introduction for me I think watching a lot even just like really simple documentaries like the what the health and yeah. you know food ink and things like that on Netflix again initially had a really powerful impact just in terms of learning and understanding things that I didn't understand before mm-hmm. and then Starting to work with a nutritionist, I found really powerful, especially like, as I was saying, I had a lot of gut problems and obviously that wasn't made any better by doing two and a half years on intense antibiotics. And we did just like different stool tests and things like that. And I remember again, like looking at that and then she did prescribe me like a whole load of different supplements, but very focused and specific to what was going on in my body. And that worked wonders. And that I think really inspired me again more to understand like, First of all, how unique and specific we are and, like, how important that is in terms of the way of working. So when people message me being like, what supplements are you taking? I'm like, mm. I'm not going to tell you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm like, I take B12. Mm-hmm. Like, you can know that because mm-hmm. you should if you follow a plant-based diet. But outside of that, like, you need to take what your body needs and your yeah. body is different to my body is different yeah. to their body. And so that was really helpful. And again, I think deepened my, like, understanding of this space. And then I think it's been a, a lot of different just not even really one in particular but a lot of yoga teachers I think have had a really powerful impact on me just Mm. on like getting me to tune way more into myself like their sense of calm their sense of kind of I love the purpose of yoga the fact that it exists to quiet in the mind I think that's really powerful I think just spending time with people who work in that space has been amazing for me I see that as like a complete sanctuary in my life Mm -hmm. and then it's just been I guess like a collection of all kinds of different people who've like shared different bits of knowledge I feel like 
there's so much more I want to learn, but just different. Like I remember I met this amazing makeup artist on on a shoot once, but she was actually like, she's the most amazing lady and she makes all these crystal um, sprays and she sells crystals and like Palo Santo wood and everything. And like she would do these amazing crystal meditations. And that was like one of the first times I, every time we then worked together, she'd do that before we did makeup. And like, that was one of the most amazing. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah, and like I'd never really done something like that before so there's been lots of kind of people along the way that I guess have opened my eyes to more and more different things Mm -hmm. and for my final question what has been through like your whole experience especially with your health and with your mental health do you feel like there's been like a key lesson or a greatest lesson that that has again kind of shaped your life I think honestly like every day especially over the last few months I don't know whether it's getting pregnant or like the experience of seeing that's mum pass away and him dealing with that or kind of getting my health back I don't know what it is but I feel like for the last especially the last six months like I think for me gratitude has been everything Mm. it's just like how easy it is to see something in a negative way and how easy it is to see something in a positive way like even last night I was on the plane I'm not a great flyer like looking out the window being like oh my gosh we're all about to die like, okay there's two ways you could look at this like either we're all about to die this is so weird and terrifying and we're suspended yeah. in midair in like a tin can yeah. it's horrible and what are these noises and like yeah. these bumps or like this is the most phenomenal feat of engineering yeah. that could ever exist like yeah. how incredible that i'm like floating up in the clouds right now yeah traveling like across the world and it was like do you know what i mean like you come back to these yeah. things where it's like there's two ways of looking at every situation like is it really positive or is it really negative and there is a positive in everything and Mm -hmm. I guess the like every day I feel like I learn that more Mm -hmm. and I think that's been for me like the biggest kind of guiding light recently it's just like waking up every day and be like okay this is gonna be a good day and like I'm so happy that I have the ability to have this day Mm -hmm. and like I want to I want this to be a good day even the days where like I know, like, spending five hours up and down the train to Nottingham for a meeting. Like, it's not that exciting. Right. But you can still find positives in it. And I think I definitely can be someone who can get, like, lost on the treadmill Mm. of, like, just doing Mm -hmm. and not reflecting on that. Yeah. So gratitude is your biggest lesson. Yeah, I think so. And I think it's just... I think the changing your mindset is just everything. Mm-hmm. And whether you see it as gratitude, whether you see it as, yeah, literally just changing your mindset yeah. or reframing your way of looking at something or just, like, tapping more into your thought process and yeah. your patterns. Yeah. Like, however it kind of resonates with you, I do think there's something so powerful. Like, we have... Our minds are so powerful, but we ha- can have more control over them than mm. I think we allow ourselves to sometimes have. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'd, being happy isn't easy. No, I think that's, not. like, what I've come to appreciate so much. And I that's think we all expect really it to be really easy. But, like, yeah. I don't think being happy is really easy. I actually think it requires a lot of dedication. Like, I think you have to be super dedicated to looking after yourself, to framing the situations in the way they need to be framed and, like, focusing on the positives and focusing on the good stuff. And actually, like, that, you know, for some people that's, like, meditating, some people that's walking, swimming, running, yoga, Pilates whatever it is it doesn't even matter but like you have to be dedicated to whatever mm. it is to you like those tools are what I think we need in the modern day life to mm. feel good mm-hmm. and you can't just expect it to come to you it doesn't come to you yeah yeah amazing thank you so much thank you yeah you so talked nice. for like a hundred years about this oh you're so good
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Joan. I've put all information from this episode in the show notes. So if you forgot to write down the name of a book or a doctor, you can find it there. I want to thank my editor, Clay Carnell, who has been so patient with me. I want to thank Mike Lachome for providing the theme music that he so beautifully and thoughtfully created. I want to thank Jen Perron for creating our amazing logo. And I want to thank all of you for listening. Thank you so much, truly from the bottom of my heart. 